This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. In your message notes, you're going to see a breakdown of where we're, what we're studying. Thank you so much. And, uh, and where we're going. But in, in Ephesians chapter 6, we're just going to read two verses. We'll give some more context tonight and uh, next week, next Sunday night. Um, but in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse number 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everyone say, be strong. Be strong. Not in yourself. Be strong, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of of whose might? His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you that you have given us everything we need to stand against the temptation of the devil. Uh, God, to stand against uh, the evil in this world. To stand against the things that are happening all around us that Lord, maybe we could point to and say it's cultural, uh, to say it's, uh, Lord, it's, it's diabolical in some cases. But Lord, ultimately, we believe that it's spiritual. And I pray that you would show us from your word how you have given us everything we need to have victory in all the different battles that we are facing. The emotional battles, the relational battles. God, I pray that you would please show us the pathway to victory in our Christian lives as well. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The city of Ephesus is a beautiful city. It is a city located on the coast of uh, Turkey. I was able to, to, to uh, really uh, go right up next to the coast. We weren't able to dock there at Ephesus just because uh, there were uh, some tensions between Ephesus, and, uh, between Turkey and the United States at that time. Uh, but I want to show you a video that kind of gives you an overview of what's happening uh, in, uh, in Ephesus today. Uh, this is the city of Ephesus, and these were the streets that they would have walked down uh, in this context. So we're reading a book, a letter written to the church at Ephesus. And so the Apostle Paul would have walked these hills. Uh, these are well-preserved uh, ruins. No doubt he would have taught in this amphitheater, uh, and this was an incredible place a place of great learning. In fact, this is the Celsius Library that's right in the city center of Ephesus. And so this is the location. This is where uh, we're, this is what we're studying. And it's a book that's split into two different parts. The first part of this book is very uh, prescriptive. It's talking about uh, the, uh, who we are in Christ, our identity. I'm sorry, it's descriptive. It's, it's describing who we are in Christ. And then it's prescriptive, telling us what we need to do. Very practical. So it's doctrinal, the first three chapters. Very practical in the last three. And so we're in the last three part of this. Very practical about the battles that we're encountering. By the way, every person in this room is going to have a battle this week. You're going to battle yourself. You're going to battle temptation. You're going to battle other people. And so it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. 
And that conflict, I've said this very many times here at New Life, this conflict that we're having, we shouldn't run from it. We should engage and learn from it. We should know that these battles, these conflicts are going to come, and there's a spiritual element to them. Now, certainly there's an emotional, uh, there's a hormonal sometimes element to it. Uh, Sometimes there's a cultural element, but there is a battle that's going on inside our hearts and minds and in our lives as well. Now, I'm also going to point out some things about spiritual warfare. And every time that I've ever talked about this, it's always freaks someone out. Okay, and so I, 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 I will save some of the creepy stuff to Sunday night, okay, because you'll be like, oh man, don't talk about demons and, and possession and all of that. No, no, no. Uh, we'll save some of that for Sunday night. If you'd like to come, that'd be fine. The next two Sunday nights, we're going to talk about how uh, spiritual warfare happens in the home. Next Wednesday night, I'm doing everything about uh, uh, marriage and family in the home. Next Sunday night, Okay, and we're having a back-to-school Sunday. We're giving a gift to every kid. All the educators are going to get a gift. It's a beautiful gift, and I think you'll love it. Uh, but, but this uh, coming tonight, I'm talking about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. What does that mean? All right, so but this whole series, talking about battle-ready, is meant not to scare you or overwhelm you, but to instruct you and inform you to know that, hey, these battles are happening, and why not win, right? You're going you're gonna to be in the battle anyway, so why not win? And so uh, here's a key thought, just as we begin, and this is a key thought that we'll repeat throughout the, the series, and that is, the battle is inevitable. How many of you know the battle's inevitable? I mean, it's inevitable, but the victory that God wants you to have, it's possible through the power and protection that God has provided. And uh, this power and protection we're going to see in this passage. And today, every week, we're going to ask a question, and it's going to be a reflective question to, to, to help us to understand, okay, uh, are we... Uh, are, are we doing an inventory with how strong we are as a Christian? And so this is really a battle-ready uh, game plan, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Now, I have not, I've failed in every, every one of these questions, okay? So I want you to know this is not a self-righteous, like, hypocritical, we are strong Christian after, at the end of this type thing. This is a humbling list. This is a list that will make you think. This is a list that will really sharpen you and encourage you in your everyday life. And the first question that we're going to ask in this series is, are you ready to surrender? Now you said, no, no, no. I thought you said this is battle ready. Well, that's the paradox of the kingdom of God is being battle ready. You have to start with surrender. So the way up is down right? Uh, the, the way to victory is actually through humility. And so he says, finally, brethren. Now, some of the ladies in the house are like, well, what about us? <laughs> brethren, why not sisters? Well, he's using this uh, delphos is the, is the Greek word. It, it comes from the word delphos, <clears throat> excuse me, that means womb. It's, he's, he's using it as a familiar term. So he's saying, hey, we're connected together. Uh, There's a lasting bond. By the way, if you know Jesus Christ, you are in the family of God, right? Sometimes we say New Life Church family, and it's because we are all connected when we have received Jesus Christ. Did you know that Jesus came into his own and his own received him not? In John 1, chapter uh, 1 and verse number 11 says that. He came into his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them 
that believe on his name. It does not say even to them that go to church. It does not say even to them that are intellectually savvy or even to them who have checked off some religious boxes like baptism, right? No, it's believing on the name of Jesus. That is how he has made it possible to become the sons and daughters in the family of God. How many of you are thankful you're in the family of God? I'm so thankful for that, that I have an identity that cannot be shaked by society, that cannot be shaked by uh, anyone else's opinion of me. I am born into the family of God. And that's what he says, which we're born not of blood, right? But look at it. Not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I will tell you, this book is not a book of man, uh, of man's opinions. This is the word of God. And the evidence bears that out. And so we see that there's a surrender. Now, there are two types of surrender. And every person that you've ever met falls into these two categories. People who surrender at salvation to no longer be enemies with God, and people who surrender, which the word surrender means to stop fighting, right? Uh, we learned that on Wednesday night in our group. So we, we're stop fighting. We're laying down our weapons and we're stop fighting. So we're surrendering either as God's enemy, we're, we're saying, okay, we're gonna stop fighting you, right? Or we're surrendering as his child. Now, as his child, I fight with God every single day. You say, oh, why would you do that? You're so horrible. Well, I will tell you that every time we refuse to surrender, we are resisting God. Do you see that? And so surrender is saying, God, I'm going with your plan. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for whatever you have. Now, both of my boys, I don't know where they got it. They're both really strong-willed. Very strong-willed. Man, they just, they, they want what they want when they want it, right? And they want to tell me what to, you know. And I'll never forget, both of them when they were two, man, they, they, those wills, they would just, you know, oh, you don't tell me what to do. And I'm like, oh, yes, I do, <laughs> right? I mean, there has to be that moment where as a child, they'll fight against you. But as a loving parent, you say, no, you need to surrender to this because it's good for you, Right? So that's, that's what's happening in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8 through 11. It's describing this, this, there are two categories of people. People who were enemies with God, who are now at peace with God through the death of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then after that, in verse number 11, it talks about how we have now that we've received Jesus, we have joy and we have a relationship with Jesus right? When we, are, when we are going his way. And so uh, there's, there's, this, there's this kind of this metaphor in scripture about strength being through surrender. And that seems so odd to me. Like, well, that doesn't sound very strong to surrender, but that is the, how we access his strength is when we stop relying on our own strength, right? And so what I don't want this series to be is, is I don't want this series to be a comparison trap or I don't want it to be something where we say, well, they're weak and I'm strong. <laughs> That's not what this is about at all. This is about us taking a self-inventory and saying, are there areas of my life that are weak as a Christian? And I've been doing this inventory too. Now, maybe you're, you'll do better than I did, but I went through all nine questions the last few weeks 
and I failed every single one of them, right? So when it comes to surrender, here's some areas that I fail as a Christian. Here's some, whenever we're weak, here are some ways that we're weak. Look at it. We Christians can't handle conflict because they live in their own strength. They fight using their own resources and they desire to do their own thing. Now, there's a strong parallel between weakness physically and weakness spiritually, all right? This last week, we've enjoyed watching some of the Olympics. Maybe you've been watching some of the Olympics as well. And uh, we love sitting there on our couch, eating our health food of like, you know, uh, popcorn, buttered popcorn and, you know, ice cream or whatever. And we enjoy and we are entertained by watching athletes do things that, that require strength, right? We are watching them do what we are amazed that any human could do, right? But we are doing the exact opposite of what they did to get where they are while we're watching where they are, right? And so we're sitting there eating our popcorn on our couch, but they didn't sit and eat popcorn on their couch to get where they are. Do you guys understand that, right? I mean, they're not breaking world records um, and, and winning gold medals. By the, by the way, we're three behind China, so let's all pray that we can catch up, right? Um, but but, but we're, they didn't get there through weakness. They got there through strength. Now, let me encourage you with this. We all want the fruit of strength, but we don't want the process of strength. I don't want the process of strength. Why? It's uncomfortable. And so we all want to be battle ready. <laughs> we all want to, we all want to defuse the conflict, but we don't necessarily want to do what it takes to get there. And so as your pastor, I really want to help you with this because I think this will really be an encouragement and a practical help. So we're going to look at today at three ways to surrender and, and, and receive strength. Number one, surrendering to God's strength empowers conflict. God, God looks at the conflict and says, okay, I can use this. I, I can use this problem. I can use this situation. Uh, there's a conflict. I'm going to use it. And he says, uh, finally, my brethren, be strong. The reason why I had you repeat the be strong is it's, it's the word uh, dynamo, but it's in dunamo. So it's putting on God's strength. It is, it is being increased with far more than normal levels of strength, right? Beyond your normal limits. And so here's a key thought. God's strength for the battle, it's received, not achieved. Religion says you can achieve strength. But a relationship with Jesus says he gives it by grace. In fact, after salvation, at salvation, grace is that, that undeserved favor, which, which all of grace is. But, but, but deeper than that, in the Christian life, sustaining grace is this divine enablement that God does empower you to do what you wouldn't normally have done. And so when you have a desire to do something you wouldn't normally do, that's God working in you. In fact, it says in Philippians 2, 13, it's God that worketh in you both to will, to want to, and to do his good pleasure. We brought this verse up a couple weeks ago, but this is what Zechariah 4 says, not by power nor by might. What are the difference between the two? We'll look at that in a minute. But by thy spirit saith the Lord. And then he asks this question. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt be made a plain. God's going to move mountains. How? Well, it says, keep reading. He shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, grace, grace unto it. It is the grace of God that moves mountains in your life. 
It is the grace of God that can do things in your life that you never dreamed would happen. It's the grace of God that, that, that connects relationships that have been disconnected for a long time. It's the grace of God that allows you to get victory in an area where no psychology and nothing ever would ever be able to give you victory. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again because it's the grace of God that does the supernatural. Now, what's the difference between power and might? Let me show this to you. The word power is the word kratos. It means strength, but, but it means a defended dominion. This is the monumental action or the realm of intensity. This is, this is the, the reality of sovereignty, meaning, meaning when, when there is dominion, there is a, the ability for immediate uh, intensity to happen, right? So, so that's power, in, in a, a realm of intensity. But the word might is the word uh, ikesis, and it literally means the strength and power, but it means control and authority. So this is the reason that you have that power. And this is the this is not just the sovereignty, which is which is the overarching, but this is the the resource, the the capability of a host of soldiers is what that verse means. It's the toughness, it's the supernatural force. May the force be with you. It's it's this, it's just this this thing that you can't see but you know is there. It is an indwelling presence that God gives that you can point to and you say, see that might? It came from this dominion called the Holy Spirit. It came from this, this, this intensity that I, that I believe that he possesses and it's seen in this force that I cannot explain. And so in Ephesians chapter one and verse 18, it says, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. You may know what is the hope of, your, of his calling, the riches of his glory, the inheritance in the saints. That, that is, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You see that? The mighty power of God, the intensity of this force of God working in us. Well, what happens when he works in us? which wrought in Christ, which was raised from the dead, so we have the power of the resurrection in us, and, and set it on his own right hand in the heavenly places, for above all principality and power, which we'll talk about tonight, and might and dominion, uh, in every thing that is named, not only in her, earth, in the world, but in the, that which is to come. God's saying, hey, listen, anything that's ever been created, I have dominion over, I have a, a, a power over, you, 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 you're gonna wanna come in line with what I am telling you you to do. And that's what surrender is. It's coming into line with what God is telling us to do. Let me illustrate it this way, because I feel like I'm starting to lose some people, and I don't want to do that. If you're online, stay with me here, okay? Hopefully, you can see this video. But this is a video, what I'm about to show is a traffic circle over in England, across the pond, if you will. And so, how many of you have been on a traffic circle? Okay, raise your hand. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to make fun of you, okay? I have before, but not, not today, all right? So, a traffic circle can sometimes be a little bit confusing, but that's our traffic circles. This is their traffic circle. Watch this. You know how England likes to call some of its intersections circuses, and it doesn't make any sense? Well, here's one roundabout that actually deserves the title, even if it doesn't get it. Your first thought upon seeing Swindon's magic roundabout might be, man, the Brits are really off their rockers lately. But this thing, which is actually seven roundabouts in one, has been working for 60 years. 
In a regular roundabout, traffic moves in one direction. In Swindon Circle, cars move both ways. Also, drivers can move from point A to point B without having to drive all the way around the circle. But they do have the option to use different routes to get to the same exit in order to avoid traffic. It may look chaotic, but it's actually pretty efficient because it means less fighting for space. You just point your vehicle toward where you want to go, yield to cars already in the midst of the magic, then Brexit on the other side. Many Americans may hate roundabouts, but they can actually cut serious crashes by 30%. I'm all for, uh, you know, saving people's lives and, and 30%, but that's not magic, that's madness, okay? Do you see all the lines going everywhere? It's like, basically, here's the one rule. Point your car in a direction. If there's a car in front of you, just don't hit it, okay? That's like the only thing. And, and so I've never been driven in one of those, thank God. I mean, I thought LA traffic was bad. Oh my goodness, what is that, right? So, so... But, but here's the whole point, is that's a great metaphor for our Christian life because of this, is in a traffic circle, if you're able to get in front of the person, if you have enough space to get in front of the person that's coming around the circle, then you go. If you don't, then you pause and let that other person go. But in, in my Christian life and in your Christian life, we have the propensity, we have the, the, the tendency to see what God is doing and jump the gun. And, and if there's a space, we don't want to wait. We just want to go. We, 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 we want to get in front of God. And many, many, many times I have done that in my life where, where I say, well, I, I can do this. I, I can, I, and, and I've never paused to ask him, do you want me to? Is this what you're empowering me to do? And so, and so here's an action item. I would include all of the children who are watching or teens. I, I would really encourage you to ask God to show you which areas, by the way, he will, that you have not followed his lead. Meaning you, you had a verse for it. You, you knew he wanted you to do it in that timing, right? Because so, sometimes we can do the right thing at the wrong time. For, for the wrong reason. And so, man, following God's lead brings God's enablement, the empowerment of God. It's so powerful when we are in, in alignment with him. So that's the strength that he gives in the conflict. But number two, surrendering to God's resources sustains in conflict. So it sustains. The resources sustain. The strength empowers. The resources sustain us in the conflict. He says, Put on the whole armor of God. This is the word endure. Remember uh, when I said in, in, in dynamo? So this is the ND part of that, right? So it literally means to, to, to sink into your clothing. Well, what does that mean? How do you sink into your clothing? Well, every person in this room, all right, uh, you surrendered yourself to your clothing, Meaning you came under your clothes. And I'm so thankful you did, by the way. Okay? So, I mean, the, the point is every single day, we, we, that's, that's the word picture when it says put on, you put on your clothes. You surrendered, you came under, you submitted to a, a, a piece of clothing. So when he says put on the whole armor, whole armor is a compound word. It's panoplia. And pano meaning full, plea meaning armor, full armor. It's where we get panoply, the word panoply from. But it means complete covering or a total protection. So here's a key thought. God's protection in battle is reliable. It's not just reliable, though. It's complete. 
Meaning if you're feeling unprotected, if you're feeling anxious or, or, or a little bit afraid, then there's something, you're, there, there, there's, there's a vulnerability somewhere uh, that, that you need to address in your armor. And so here's what the psalmist said. He said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Now, this is actually where we get that little, little uh, children's prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. Have you ever heard that one before? Um, now, uh, there, there's a Christian comedian who talks about how uh, he does not believe parents should use that. And uh, I would not say that this is uh, great advice, but it might be, okay? He talks about how creepy that prayer is. I, I, I wanted to let you guys listen to that. My parents used to pray this with me in the dark when I was a kid. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord myself to care. If I Before I wake, I pray the Lord, my <sighs> Sweet dreams. <laughs> See you in the morning. Maybe. I don't know. 50-50, I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> Oh, and don't let the bed bugs bite. <laughs> okay, so putting the hyperbole aside and the craziness of the fact that sometimes we pray those prayers, I think that there's a, a necessity to pray a prayer of protection and allow God to be the one to give the safety. I think many of us, even in the last 24 months, have really shifted our perspective about the fact that safety truly belongs to the Lord. Now, certainly we can be helpful and health, and, and health conscious and, and, and aware of our surroundings, uh, but I just believe that the protection of God is something that we dwell in when we surrender the outcome to God's resources and strength. And so here's an action item. Daily go through the six parts of the armor of God, and I've said this before, but, but there are six of them, and there are three other actions, preparation, uh, developing a strategic plan for, uh, that we'll talk about next week, and then prayer, which is the, the vehicle uh, that, that we find victory in. But uh, the, the six, armor, six pieces of armor that God asks us to put on daily, uh, go through that, and that's not a prayer of vain repetition. That's, there's nothing vain or, or, or empty about it at all. It, it's important to daily yield to the protection and power uh, of, of that God gives us to be an overcomer. And, and, and there's lots of verses that we'll get into in, week, in the weeks ahead. Now, I, I don't have time to go over this, but in your notes, I gave you every week in what we're going to study. So here's what I'm gonna do. I would encourage you to do it as well. My boys and, and I, 
we are memorizing these verses, verse 10 through verse 20, and we're doing it each week with the schedule that's in your notes that shows uh, what we're studying each week. So I would encourage you to really be thinking about these verses before you come in uh, to our, our, our time of study on Sundays because it'll really help you to understand, okay, oh, this is where we're going. What does it mean? What does it mean to have a helmet of salvation? Why is it a helmet? right? Well, it has to do with our thoughts, and it has to do with defending our thoughts, defending our thought processes, right? But why is it the sword of the Spirit, okay? So we can go through all of that, and we'll be studying them the next eight weeks, but I wanted to give you those so that you could pray over them and be thinking about them, all right? Number three, I want to give you this, and then, and then we'll be finished, and that is surrendering to God's will then defuses conflict, and this is the key. You cannot defuse conflict if you're not willing to surrender to God's will. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, but whenever I whenever I talk about interpersonal conflicts between in a in a marriage or in a home or even with yourself, by the way, um, depression and anxiety are the results of personal conflict, okay? So, so whenever you do that, this is the biblical approach, all right? And, and by the way, psychology and counseling are catching up with the Bible in this area, all right? But, but there has to be alignment. Without alignment, there's, there's friction, there's, there's pulling, right? Two ships going in a different direction. If they're tied together, there's gonna be tension. Something's gonna break. And so the alignment that we have in our, in our relationships is based on our values, and when we say, I value God's will more than anyone else's, including my own, we're bringing alignment into our relationships. Now, as that's true practically, it's also true spiritually. And I want you to see this. Because he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And then he says, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand. And we'll talk about the word stand next week. So I'm not going to get into that. But stand against the wiles of of the devil. Now, the word may be able is the word dynamite, where we get the word dynamite. It is capable, receiving skill and competence through preparation, but it's, it's a capability. And, and, and he says, you're capable through putting on this surrendering to, coming into the whole armor of God. The word whole armor we already studied, but it's the root word from for the word clever or crafty or ready to do anything. And he says, you're ready to do anything against the wiles of the devil. Now, the word wiles is, means crafty, right? So, so he's literally putting two things side by side, and he says, God has his plan and his cleverness and, and his idea of what, the way it works. And Satan the devil has his plan. He's crafty. He's got, he's got some tricks, right? And so you just have to pick, hey, whose side are you on? And Moses asked that. Who is on the Lord's side in Exodus chapter 32? And so here's, here's a key thought. God's plan for the battle is either accepted or rejected. And so you either, you either know it and you accept it, or by default, you just choose to reject it. And that's really just giving a W 
to the wicked one. Okay? Now, I was talking this through with the boys, and I was very disappointed when I was like, boys, do you know what the word while, like wiles of the devil, what's the word wiles? And they're like, what is it? I'm like, well, you know Wiley Coyote? And they're like, who's Wiley Coyote? I'm like, you don't know. I was like so disappointed as a parent. Like, they don't know. That was my favorite cartoon growing up. Like, like seriously, if you've never watched 10 minutes of that, okay, that will be a, that will enhance your life, okay? It's just really a stress reliever, okay? You know, beep, beep, beep. I mean, it's just, it's just a fun, uh, just good, uh, wholesome, you know, cartoon, right? But what, what, what makes it so fun? Well, you got this coyote who is wily or crafty, and he, and he just thinks of all these schemes to try to get Roadrunner, right? And, and so, he, you know, he, he's devising all these plans, but guess what? Roadrunner has some speed. He's got some, he's got some stuff too, and he's pretty smart right? And somehow he just turns those bombs around and, and the, 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 you know, the little traps backfire every single time on that poor coyote, right? And so here's the point. The wily, the wild, the wiles of the devil, are, it, it's, it's not to be afraid of. It's not to be uh, so, so bombarded like, oh God, you know, what, what's going to happen? Like, I hope God protects me. No, no, no. We're not going into this with fear. We're going into this knowing that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Like God has given you every tool you need to defeat the devil, no matter how squirrely or wily or tricky he is, you you can win. I can win. Let's say that together. I can win. You can win through the power of the Holy Ghost. So let's look at the word wiles. The word wiles is the word where we actually get our English word method from. It's, uh, it's methodia, but it's, 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 uh, it means to employ skill or craft, to be super crafty, well-planned, uh, to have a technique, intriguing plots, um, to, to, to be really good with deceit and traps and schemes, to mislead, to trick people, to be devious in your approach. And so this is, this is what Satan does. He's just really good. He doesn't have a lot of traps, but he's really good at trapping. And he knows he's outpowered. And he knows he's outnumbered, but he has some traps that he knows will work. And 35 years ago, during the Vietnam War, the, the Viet Cong, the, the guerrilla warfare that was going on, they were outnumbered, they were outpowered, but they had some devious traps. And they inflicted a lot of pain on our soldiers because they knew where to put the traps and they knew how to do them. This is one of them. Watch this. Two-step Charlie. During the war, North Vietnamese and Viet Cong soldiers were well aware that they were outnumbered by the U.S. in troops, artillery, and technology. But not even the best-trained army in the world knew the jungle terrain better than them. The Viet Cong resorted to planting booby traps to terrorize American troops physically and psychologically. To achieve this, they employed every nature-based defense possible, made available by the country's weather and land conditions. The banded crate snakes, nicknamed Two-Step Charlies, played a big part in one of these macabre plans. Rumor has it that the snake's venom was so toxic that one bite could make a man drop dead after taking only two steps. U.S. soldiers also referred to the banded crate as the cigarette snake, 
implying that the bite would kill you in the time it took to smoke a cigarette. This booby trap was simple. Enemy soldiers would take the snakes and trap them inside old weapons caches. They would also tie the animals to bamboo sticks and hide them throughout their complex tunnel structures. The snake would be released at the same time as the bamboo, right onto the enemy's face. As if deathly snake pits weren't bad enough, they were sometimes nailed to tree branches and doors, waiting angrily to strike soldiers' faces. Now that's a bad day, all right? A snake in the face. But the Bible literally starts out by talking about the fact that Satan is described as a subtle snake that is where you're, you don't think he is and is tempting you with what he knows you desire. And so here's an action item, and that is this, that the next time you have a desire that is different than God's design, when all of us to ask ourselves, which side of the battle do you want to be on? Who, who's, who's, whose army are you fighting for? Like, like, seriously, are you with the snakes or are you against them? Like, are, are you going to give in to, to, to what is temporarily good, but is ultimately poisonous to your soul and relationships? Or are you going to allow God's strength to empower you? When you surrender, meaning you lay down these vices, you lay down the plan that, that, that Satan has. And we're going to go through several of his traps. But I will tell you this, he's doing everything he can to get you off God's plan, God's will. And so here's a takeaway, and then we're finished. And that is this, that you can win every battle. Satan doesn't want you to believe this. In fact, he fought me, and I, I guarantee you fought you coming today so that you wouldn't hear this. But, but victory is possible. Like, you can win. In fact, Jesus has already won. He's already, he's already won. He's already given you the power you need to win your next battle. So you can win any battle, when you surrender to God's strength and his resources, his strength, just his grace, his resources, his word, his armor, right? In order to do his will. And I will tell you that it is front and loaded. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say it's easy. I'm in this battle just like you. But I can tell you, that if you think it's impossible, you are believing the lie of Satan. We can be battle ready, but we have to ask ourselves, are we ready to surrender? Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.